That's also a good way to, you know, have skill acquisition is you're already doing a thing, most likely, if you're in a job. It's like, I was working at the bike shop, I learned sales. Yeah, the, working at a bike shop isn't the end-all be-all, but now I know how to do sales a little bit better. And so if I need that skill further down the line, I can reflect on what I've already learned and also go to people like Alex Ramosi and kind of build on my knowledge of what I already have. My name is Dimitri and I'm a productivity and systems enthusiast. I'm Chance. I'm a philosophy and self-development enthusiast. And you're listening to The Rise Productive Podcast. Podcast, the show where productivity meets business and what it means to build better systems. Enjoy the show. If you're listening to this, you are not on our private subscriber feed and you will only be hearing a portion of this episode. If you'd like to listen to the full length episode, you'll need to go to riseproductive.com membership or sign up on your favorite podcasting app for exclusive access. From there, you'll also get access to our exclusive newsletter, the weekly pour over, our private members only discord community, and any other subscriber-only content. So if you enjoy what we are doing here, please consider becoming a member. You know, while I may be recommending Oppenheimer to people because it's a good movie, screw the movie, okay? Forget the movie. Like, is it one of Christopher Nolan's best works? Yeah, top five. But if you haven't listened to the soundtrack yet, and you do any form of knowledge work, maybe not studying because like you kind of want to run through a wall when you're listening to it. If you do work, any type, that you need to listen to the soundtrack. Yeah, we were just listening to a single track before we hopped on the podcast here, and it, it was it was exciting. It was um, it was epic, but like in a really kind of like gorgeous way, really gorgeous, but also like distorted kind of way. Like, it got really, I don't know what the word is for it, because I'm not a music critic, but it got really, like, kind of twi- like kind of twisted and a little bit, like, dark, too. Yeah, I mean, the movie is about a biography based off Amer- American Prometheus. That's uh, Oppenheimer. It's first person. And he also low-key has schizophrenia. I don't know if nice. people know this about Oppenheimer, but, I mean kind of messes with you when you become the father of the atomic bomb. Um, so he has mental issues, but he also, I think may have been diagnosed with something that they used to, they, they, he was diagnosed with something that they now lump in to schizophrenia. Um, so it has, since it's all first person, there's some interesting glitches in his like uh perspective and the music and the score does a great job of showing his, uh his emotion, his glitches in perspective how physicists in general see the world in a different way. That kind of high-level physicist, uh, I imagine, sees the world very differently than you or I. Oh, I can't even imagine. Like, just from, like, physics is one of those things. It's kind of like neuroscience, both of which I I wish I was really good at because Mm -hmm. I know it would be so sick to be good at those things because the the impact you can have with the knowledge that you have gain from being in that field is just so massive and it's just like such a unique perspective on the world that other people don't have because i think the way that you look at causation just in your everyday life in the way that most people don't is just yeah it's just insane so i i wish i was um just reminiscing on ap physics one and uh how poorly that went so um i wish i wish but um no i'm glad you saw the movie i'm going to see barbie tonight so we got both ends of Barbieheimer here. The barbin. I love how within 
two days, it was like a acceptable reference to use in conversation, Barbenheimer. Oh, I mean, they what did, that? you know, they always say like Christopher Nolan doesn't, you know, market for his movies, like the, the movies advertise themselves. And it's so true because the the Oppenheimer Barbie memes where it was like, you know, the, the contrast and you'd have like a favorite artist would have like a dark record of theirs on the Oppenheimer side and like the really fun light record on the Barbie side. You had all that. You had just a massive outpour for, I think Barbie's outperforming Oppenheimer currently, but like both mm-hmm. movies just having crazy numbers. I think it was like the, I think it says like the fourth biggest weekend for the box office in history i could imagine it because on sunday dude i mean it was packed when ic and i went to the movies i was like jesus christ like the the theater entrance was so they were understaffed in order to scan people like we didn't even scan to get in wow wow yeah i think they said the the three biggest ones this is uh, the secondhand information, but I'm pretty sure the three biggest ones before or, uh, you know, ahead of uh, Barbenheimer are the two Avengers movies when those two dropped Endgame. Oh, yeah. And um, the Star Wars movie, one of the new ones. That was a bigger weekend. But I mean, all three of those are, you know, like legacy franchises with like, you know, a, a series of movies. And this is just like a two random movies that are standalone pieces. Yeah, they said something like 400 million. Holy. So Barbie just passed 400 million. And and this is one of the most insane starts to Yeah, the the numbers on this is outstanding. I don't think either I don't think Barbie had a huge budget. I I would imagine not. Yeah, I have no idea. I think they've already but they've already gotten more sales than what the cost of the movie was wow which is great like profit because a lot of movie flops people forget about the kind of money that is wasted on movie flops like the people there are movies where they spend like 100 plus million dollars 200 million dollars and then like the box office doesn't even they don't get there until Mm -hmm. years later of like selling it or whatever um random personal side note for life i would like to remind those of you that love a movie or two that it is okay to buy a movie so like something that i've realized in the last couple years is that it's just like not acceptable to do anything but rent a movie off amazon prime if you like you really really like there's layers of how like our psychology has changed it's interesting used to go to the store and like rent it off red box or whatever blockbuster if you really want to watch a movie right and then it became, if it's not on the streaming service, I'm not going to buy it. And I'm like, but like, what if it's a top five movie for you? And they're like, well, I'll just wait till it comes on streaming. I'm like, you know, and then it, the next stage is people will give in and be like, oh, I'll rent it for two, two, three bucks. And I'm like, but it only costs five. You can buy it. They're like, no, no, I can't do that. And then they end up like, being like me and renting the big short six times before they realized they should have just bought it. <laughs> That's funny. Cause I, I mean, I, I would never, I don't think I still would buy a movie. I hear what you're saying, but I just, I never rewatch movies. I really, okay, that's fair. If we got a group together, who's like, Oh, what do we want to watch your movie night? If anyone throws out a movie I've already seen, I don't want to watch it again. 
I already saw it. And I know that that's not a good way to look about it because... Jesus Christ. There's so many movies that probably deserve another watch. What is wrong with you? I watch so few movies, I have to take advantage of every time I watch a movie. Okay, so I got to watch Oppenheimer a second time because of the complexity of the movie. You think you're that highbrow? You can fin- figure out no, 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 the I, first I, I time? Recognize, I recognize huh? I'm not highbrow. I recognize that these movies probably deserve more, but I just don't have time. I, I just don't, I don't have the patience. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, how do you think I'm good at quotes? It's not like first run through. Like, we got to have a second, a third. Like, okay, for example, have you seen a Harry Potter movie twice? Yeah, probably. They used to have those okay. on FX a lot. All right. Because I've seen every Harry Potter movie at least 10 times. Yeah, that's that's more than I've seen. I'm interested. It's just interesting how people view it differently. I'm like, I want to get out every ink of juice from movies. I always end up watching like the videos on YouTube afterwards of people analyzing the different parts of the movie so that I can learn more. And then I rewatch it with a new perspective. And you're just like, I want to get all of it from, or I want to get some of it from all of it. Yeah, I just want to watch it once. I want to feel how I felt, maybe reflect on it afterward, and then next thing. But I know I should be better about that. I know that that's... Um, there's no being better. It's just perfect. Yeah. I mean, I mean, there's they're masterpieces, and some of them do deserve respect. Like, I give a lot of respect to music in that sense, but um, mm. for movies, it's just not the same. But anyways... Speaking of repetition, <laughs> yeah, we're going to have a conversation about skill acquisition today. And um, this is uh, springboarding from a conversation we had just had on the weekly pour over classic. And um, we were talking about just the compounding effects of skill acquisition and how that's put Dimitri into a really unique and prepared state when he's stepping up and deciding to make RP and LLC when he's doing these uh, contract negotiations, when he is, um, you know, trying to be the the CVO while also doing the thing, you know, figuring out stuff like payroll, profit, all kinds of crazy stuff. And um, I think personally, as a, as a friend, I've been pretty wowed that he's been able to na- navigate these waters as well as he can. Obviously, there's things that you just can't know just off the jump, but... um. I think that he's had a lot of experiences both with his work and with, you know, clients and other people in order to understand a lot of the verbiage, the terminology, and just the the nuts and bolts of business. And so without really, you know, studying like for how to have a business, in some sense, you have a lot of the necessary skills already. And so we're going to have a little conversation about that and just how those experiences kind of accumulated into you being in a position where you're pretty prepared, but obviously there's still more to acquire. Yeah, I think something to to note is, you know, you're starting to to build out the website for called uh, um, uh, local the local legend or run local, local legend. Yeah, run local legend. You didn't want to do the local legend. No, that was taken. Uh, shoot. Well, that makes sense. I don't think that would have been related to running. I think someone would have just been like, I'm a local legend. I want to yeah. have that website. Uh, okay. Um, 
you didn't go to business school. You didn't take an SEO class. You didn't take a web design class, but you've made a website. And um, something that I definitely think is a fair statement is that learning is most quickly and effectively and effectively done through action. I don't remember a single thing I learned in business school <laughs> because we didn't do anything. We just learned and took tests. Yeah, I think it's like a lot of people have gripes about business school. It's the same critique for a lot of things. For law school, there's always the critique that, you know, the the numbers you get, the grades you get are fine, but they're actually not a great metric for how you're going to be as a lawyer the same way that your LSAT isn't a good metric of how you're going to be a law school student because the only way to properly measure how good you're going to be at the thing is by doing that thing. And so we're always predicting how you're going to perform on the next thing and weighing heavily on that. And... It's actually not the best, you know, that's not the best indicator of learning. It's not the best indicator of skills. The best indicator of all that is actually doing the thing. And so that's why I think a lot of people get detracted by business schools. Like, you know, I'm actually doing the business stuff. I'm not actually like, you know, working a job, building a business. I'm just learning all these theory. And, you know, the number of times I heard that people had to take business ethics is like, as a philosophy student, I think it's important to, you know, have your morals with you as you embark on your life and business. But, um, in the same sense, it's just, that's not business. Like, <laughs> you know, like the, the business is um, stuff like SEO, marketing, and figuring out, you know, sales. I mean, like, did they ever teach anybody sales in, in school? No. Like, probably not. No. Probably not the way that you've been using it. It's ridiculous. I remember learning uh, more about sales in a one-hour seminar that I listened to Alex Ramosi do, like, five times, and then, like, act on write out a framework and then use it while I was on sales calls. And I learned more about sales in a week than I would have learned if, even if they had taught me in college or like, um, digital marketing. I took a course on digital marketing in college I learned like I didn't, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, I was sitting there, like I got a hundred on all the tests and that was, I had already taken some courses on it, but I had also already done some like side work when I was in college on like Kind of the classic thing about when you're a freelancer, like saying, oh, I can do this. And like, you've never done it before. And then doing audits for people or something like that. So I had done some like SEO audits for people. So I had in the real world applied some digital marketing concepts. And it was just so weird to me that in this class, I was wondering, I'm like, is anyone going to use this? Is anyone going to use this for a job? Is anyone going to use this for their own business? Then later on, as I got out of college, I thought about it very clearly and realized that the only things I may remember from college were my information systems classes because it required me to build things in Tableau and in Excel because I was doing. Yeah, exactly. And actually, I know I've never taken information systems, but from everything I've heard, it does sound a lot more like building stuff on the internet than any kind of other degree like um i'm sure you know I'm, I'm, i don't want to hark on all school i don't want to hark on no people who are in no. finance people who are in accounting like i'm sure that the skills you you know like you have to know the tax law and i'm sure they're doing a great job of teaching you the tax law and accounting 
but but I think there's some general stuff that you're not really learning in school. And while you're not learning the skills, I would like to hedge and say that you're learning how to learn skills. You're learning things like discipline and patience and consistency and, you know, working through adversity, teamwork. And so you, you develop a lot of soft skills, but we don't actually teach people how to acquire hard skills, nor do we teach them those hard skills ourselves. I think the degrees that most effectively force you to learn while doing, like those are the ones that like you should go to school for. Like, here's a great example. I think clinicals in nursing is like, yeah, like why don't we try to emulate that in the rest of education? Like in, in what world couldn't I make up an example quarter or two quarters in an accounting firm and have all of my students have, you just do a number variation Excel formula and have all these people do P&L statements, do all these different things for these accountants. I'm like, yes, you should learn things and understand how it works. But for businesses, for like digital marketing, for example, you could set up dummy, um, digital marketing campaigns and, 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 and work with Google in order to make this happen to, to do like, uh, dummy using the platform in order for, uh, these people to learn how digital marketing works, have fake requests from clients on how to make an Excel pivot table to answer questions about and interpret data. I'm like, that would be a better way to help people get prepared to do a digital marketing do something in digital marketing, not this is what quality score is. This is how to optimize a page for SEO. It's like, no, make them do it. Like, it doesn't have to be for anything practically that has a, because, okay, I know this is turning into a rant on education, but um, tell, if you can tell me the difference between, it's like, oh, well, that would be a waste of time. Like they're not actually like deliverabling delivering anything into the real world they're just doing fake work okay explain to me what business school is then <laughs> yeah exactly no i mean i i don't i don't know what business school is and so that's why i think that they should change it i think that they i mean it's fake either way i mean that's what school is is like you're putting off the real world and yes you're learning how to engage with the real world when you get out of it but it's not the real world and like you said, I think there's something really m meritous about the way that we bring up nurses and doing nursing school is like, we know that they have a high stakes job at the end of this four years. And we need a lot of people to be able to do this job because it's just an important field. Medical field is incredibly important. And mm -hmm. so there's that sense of urgency and importance and they make the work really high skill stuff and it's like you have you have exposure you're going to learn how to do this but you're going to learn as you're doing it and i think there should be more of an urgency approach with most things so i think i think it should be way with the the um legal field as well with law school like there should be more clinicals that are already thrown at me i mean i guess we had some some writing stuff you know there's some basics you have to know but yeah it would be nice if there was a mix because it's the same way it's the same thing about like um talking it out or just talking out loud. It's the same reason that, that this podcast can be so fruitful for us. It's just, you have these ideas sitting in your head, but if you start trying to do the thing of like articulating thoughts, 
to other people and communicating thoughts into messages, you're going to get something out of that. You're going to, you know, as you're trying to fly the plane, you're also building the plane kind of analogy. Mm -hmm. And so it's the same thing, I think, with any kind of skill acquisition. It's you decided that you wanted this online business. And so you're like, okay, I'm going to fake it till I make it. I'm going to make this ebook that is about self-help tips, but I'm also still learning about self-help tips. I'm very early into my journey, but let me share with people my initial thoughts and just kind of give them an idea of where I'm at. And, you know, if I write out these ideas, then maybe I have, you know, some quick thoughts that I can say to someone later or like in a a further interview, it's like, okay, well, I've already articulated about this in writing, so I can clearly regurgitate it again when someone asks me to articulate it in person. Hmm, that's interesting. You know, yeah, I, I think I was, I'm just trying to, now I'm trying to get, in a, I don't know, I don't want to get too into a rabbit hole of a conversation about education, but like, what is thoughts? I think curriculum in, let's say accounting uh, or finance, all the, all these other ones, maybe it's not as, uh, not as accurate, but I think college could be a four year program where like the first year you have some of your core competencies when it comes to, uh, you know, general things. I, I know that every school has their whole, like oh, some people want philosophy, whatever. I think you cut that crap until they're older because no one at 18 gives a shit. Um, thoughts. First off, I'm curious on that. This is step one to solve education. I know we're gonna we're gonna get off this topic. I'm just curious. Thoughts. Do you think you should cut the that stuff until they're unless they're gonna be a philosophy major? I think you should cut that theology and the ethics stuff until they're like twenty two. Twenty one. No, I don't think you should do that. I think that there is something to being rounded as a person. It's the same way that there's well, I'm not so saying many people... cut it. I'm saying move it in the timeline until they're actually gonna pay attention. They're eighteen. That's fine. Yeah, if you move it till later. But I also think if you move it till later, they're even less inclined to do that thing because they're so deeply entrenched into the thing that they've, you know, the skill, the hard skill that they learned their first year. I think people are very impressionable. And those first impressions are, okay, well, if it's all about hard skills and that's what they're throwing at me first, later down the line, why do I care about this philosophy crap? I want to get more into how do I do marketing the best? You know, it's like, I think it'll always feel tangential Mm. and I think if you do it early on it can be more formative because that's the whole Mm. idea right I mean the whole thing of the liberal arts is for people who are not going into the liberal arts is you get exposure to it so you can be rounded as a person I think if you just do it early on there's a lot of people who don't appreciate it in the moment but will still kind of appreciate it later on okay all right fine so then the first year they do the liberal artsy stuff and <laughs> tangent and then they learn a bunch of principles about the subject they're supposed to go into then second year i think it should be a mix of some sort of learning about the subject they're going to go into and then also a fake business cl- uh, clinical and then i think year three it should be 25 percent, 75 percent, and and 75 being like the fake clinical thing and then last year it should be like 
And then by the time people would be done with school, I feel like they would be so ready to go into the workforce, we'd have a much more skilled labor workforce rather than like a bunch of people who have degrees that generally speaking, like, okay, for example, um, NC, NC. Okay. What the hell did he know going into the job he's going into? Yeah. My understanding, he didn't. Yeah, you, you got to refine this to, I think, to business school because... Because okay. we're t- talking about business podcast, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think we're workshopping business because in a lot of senses, business is the best example of you need hard skills and you're not learning hard skills in undergrad. And that's mm. why people, most people who don't like school are people who are like entrepreneurs. They're like, I, I was terrible at school and I quit, and, you know, and now I have this billion dollar business, like screw school. It's like, it's always those people. mm it's not the, you know, it's usually not the, the the history buff that's like, screw school. I went on my own and I, you know, did my own history research. It's like, no, those people probably appreciate it. But there's a bad deal that goes around when it comes to business school. And NC is a good example of that. He walked out and didn't really know exactly even what kind of marketing he wanted to get into. I asked mm. him what kind of marketing he wanted to do. And he said, demand generation. That is just the example. Literally that, that, just that, marketing. That's just the definition of marketing in two words. It's just a really succinct definition. <laughs> and so, yeah, I, I mean, I absolutely agree. And I think that there's, you know, my partner is, um, she's a teacher and her, I witnessed her senior year of college just be entirely, I mean, okay, first semester was like 75, 25, like you were saying, and it wasn't a fake clinical. She was just being a teacher assistant mm-hmm. at a real high school in Chicago. And then for the second semester, she was just hundred percent teaching. But not getting paid. It was, you know, she had that fallback of like, yeah, I'm still a student. And so if I make a big error, you know, it's not on me. It's not like I can get fired from this job. I don't work here. I'm actually paying to be here. And so you could do a similar thing, I think, with business school or any kind of major where you're working towards high, high skill type of stuff. Yeah, and you could even do it at the school where for the sales department, like you have people who are teaching these kids sales and like getting them on the phone and trying to get donations and then like using rebuttal frameworks and having them get trained on this is what it's like to get told no. Like at the beginning, maybe you do a te- you do like examples of this, but then eventually you actually have it so they may be on the front lines or the people doing the marketing. They're doing fake campaigns and then maybe they help out with the school stuff. I'm like, I don't, I don't see why we can't do this. And the reason I'm harping on this is I guess we can get towards what we're talking about with skill acquisition, which is like, it is mainly done through doing. So like you recently built out your first website. Uh, Like we said, it's called runlocallegend.com. How long from start to finish did it take for you to build a website? Probably, I wasn't tracking it, but somewhere between 10 to 15 hours. I watched a YouTube video and um, actually a couple of YouTube videos from the same guy. I can't remember his name. Maybe I'll try to go find it here as we're having this conversation. But um, he had a basic build out a WordPress website in an hour video. And it was one of those things where it doesn't actually take an hour. He'd keep going back and clicking back and rewatching things that he says it's like oh what did he say he said that really quick or he did yeah, that if move you're really slow, quick yeah yeah if i'm slow well i'm just you know it, i'm illiterate in this language i don't no, know I how know. to mess with it yeah 
no i I fully accept that though um i think you you kind of have to if you're you're learning something new right Mm -hmm. is that otherwise you're just gonna get frustrated but um yeah i spent about probably 10 to 15 hours doing it and um i still wouldn't say it's perfect like i still need like a landing page to be you know hammered out perfectly i want um the lead magnet and I um just want to fill out like the contact page stuff like that, but um, it's in a place that is decent. It's a place where I want to get to a place where I could at least write new blog posts and say like, okay, these are all hosted in one place. There's at least one page that looks decent, and people could find the stuff. Because if everything else fails, I know that I can keep writing about this topic, and the more I get content out there the more I will eventually get that authority in the space. And then those other pages become a little more necessary. Like right now, the landing page and lead magnet art is important because people don't know about me. And so Mm. part of it is just putting out the content. So I want to do that, long story short, 10 to 15 hours. It's really crazy to me that Rise Productive is almost at its three-year anniversary. Over the years, we've shared with you so much free content on how to improve your efficiencies, operations, and intentionality across multiple content platforms. Between the podcast, newsletter, and YouTube channel, we try to give you as much free value as possible. All that we ask in return for all this free knowledge sharing is that you give us a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform so that more entrepreneurs and those seeking more efficiency in their lives can find our content. These podcast reviews increase our rankings and help us reach more people who just like you just want to get more efficient. Thanks in advance. And now let's get back to the show. Got it. Yeah. And... Was it as onerous, is that the word, of a task as you thought it would be? Was it as, you know, holy crap, like this is rough as you thought it would be or no? Um, that, that That's actually a good question because it gets into the perfect is the enemy of good because mm-hmm. you can make this task as hard as you want. You're doing mm. it for yourself. It's not like this is for a client, this isn't for school, this is for me. And so when I was building it, there were points where it was like, okay, well, I could get a really nice cover image right here. I could have me behind like this cool background. I have like a, I have like a boneless uh, Photoshop thing. I have like um this app on my phone where I do like some basic Photoshop stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, I could sit there and like do that and like, you know, like really make something look nice here. But then I just stepped back and I was like, no, it's not even worth it. It's not worth doing all that because I'm just going to lose sight of what the actual importance of this task is, which is just make something that works. Give it just that exoskeleton of bare bones. And so I, it, it was difficult, but if I strictly following the video, no, you're just listening to what he says. Mm-hmm. But when you want to make it your own, it got a little more tough. And so, but there was even points during the video, which I really appreciated was like, Right now, like he, there'd be a point where it's like you're putting in the cover image for the website, and he's like, "Don't put in your own cover image, like just put in the one that I'm telling you to put in." Because if you try to do this yourself and try to start designing your website before you've built your website, you're gonna lose sight of what's important, and you're gonna make this harder on yourself. That's very important and very true. I mean, there's so many different people I know personally. Like, I gotta build a website, and then so the the this actually Alex Ramosi talked about this. He had planned on like working on building a website for I think like four to eight hours every Sunday for the next like however many months I think it was like six months or something uh and then 
he ended up doing it in the same he ended up doing it in one day which is like one of the funniest examples i've ever heard of like perfect is the enemy of good but also does not take as long to learn something as you think it does um at least that's that's my opinion i i've noticed very much so that you know it's really cool by the way that you managed to to get this going and then it didn't take months it took like how many how many total days i mean i did it when i was in nebraska so probably a week a little bit over a week of just like doing a little bit every day that's pretty quick in my in my eyes at least i think that's really quick um there's there's a lot of people who would get more eh, more stressed out about it like and be like oh and it needs to be perfect and i'm glad that you didn't go down that rabbit hole because I look at your page and I see somebody who got started and then now there's something that can be feedback on like your homepage. Okay, I'm a runner, student, and avid Strava user. Okay. I see there's no about page, like information. Like mm-hmm. I would shove the living crap out of your PRs down people's throat as quickly as possible. My opinion. Um, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I yeah, like use a good start. Like you're calling out who you are. You're doing. You're doing. I'm a runner, student, and average job user. Like it's a three pronged. What's it called? Mm-hmm. Like it's doing a try thing. So it's it's gonna be good psychologically. But like shove it down their throat. Exactly how important you are. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Where should I put that? Should I build it right now? <laughs> no, but I mean, it's like it's funny. It's like it's funny, but I'm serious. Um. No, but you should consider what to do, and that would be in the probably the about page. In the about page, do that, but in some way, in that high I'm chance, make sure to call out how good of a runner you are. Like you're not just a runner. Like people who unironically wear the um, <laughs> next percents in public are runners. Yeah. I'm doing air quotes. Okay. Okay. Like. Like you see the difference, like you're not a runner, okay? Um, you are actually you are the the proper definition of a runner, but to the average person, you <laughs> are an elite runner. Um, and to in actuality, you're an elite runner. So it's important to to clarify that. Okay, yeah, I hear you on that. Okay. Yeah, you don't want to just be like, oh, look at me, I'm like Joe Schmo. Who I don't even want to get. Have you ever seen these random rant? Have you seen these guys out here? wearing next percents to walk oh yeah yeah there's times when i i've, I've gone out the door and i like i don't want to change my shoes for workouts anymore now that i don't have anyone to carry it to the track for me mm. so i just mm-hmm. warm up in my next percents and then go do the workout in my next percents and cool down in it as well and when i'm just jogging in my next percents i just i get this um you feel like a piece of shit Okay, I kind of feel like a yeah, like a piece of shit. I'm like, <laughs> I feel like I don't want someone to see me jogging real slow and think like, oh, like look at this loser doesn't even know what to do with those shoes. Now, Matt. Now, here's the thing though: your jogging pace is faster than their 5K pace, so calm down. That's <laughs> what you gotta remind yourself. <laughs> All right, so uh, I want to um, I want to turn this to you a little yep. bit because I think this is um, gonna be a fruitful thing for people. Is um, I just want to know. Obviously, you jumped into the website, and like I said, you had like the ebook. This is one of the things you started out with, but I want to hear a couple examples of formative skills that you have acquired that 
maybe the goal was tangential. Maybe the goal was important and you're really glad that you did that thing. But like I've seen you rebuild your Notion homepage a number of times. You went down the consulting route and that, you know, wasn't the the thing. I'm thinking of goals that were tangential or maybe not the thing, but the skills that you acquired along the way were super important and probably are now. And so I'd love to hear like one of the stories of that and um you know, just breaking past that fear of like, okay, maybe I'm not doing the thing that is actually the right thing to be doing, so I don't want to spend time. Because I think it's why a lot of people don't want to do skill acquisition is because they think, oh, well, it's I'm working towards any end of mine. And so if it's I'm working towards some kind of really important goal or end, then why would I spend the time learning that skill? But I think that you're not afraid to just kind of tinker and experiment. And so kind of talk to me about like the mindset of getting into just like being intrigued to acquire different skills and maybe some of the important ones that you know, um are really glad that you have. Mm. Okay. So first of all, let's do the video thing because I started that at a young age. Um, Making videos is hard. People now think I make really good videos. They were not good for a while. Why is that? <laughs> it is because I had not done it for a while. However, in compared to the average person, when I relaunched and started doing YouTube again in 2020, after not having done it for a couple of years, I was at a better start than a lot of people because I had done it. Um, it's It sounds so basic, but like this is the moral of the story. It's like you just do just like nike's got something right and it is just do it uh the biggest example of this is i had a goal which was like i want to make you know a couple videos a week um and i i switched from making videos about oh here, sorry here we go so at the start of my youtube channel completely different you know if we go back to when i was a kid i mean i was doing um videos about call of duty i think it was like call of duty gameplay videos but i learned about a couple basic skills that are like important to being on camera or being a youtuber or whatever or making content in general which is you need to learn the basic skill of hey what do i talk about you need to learn the basic skill of what does it look like to make a YouTube banner and have a logo and and what does a YouTube title look like? What does a YouTube description look like? And also, obviously, just what is it like to talk into a camera? Have you ever thought about how normal it is for me to problem solve microphone issues in comparison to like you doing it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, every time that we try to record the podcast in person, there's always an issue. And I'm always sitting there like, this is the most frustrating thing in the freaking world. Because I just, you know me, I don't like doing, I I don't like doing that tech stuff. Mm. It's like, I'm better at it. I've become more open to solving these kinds of issues on my own. But in a lot of ways, I still just don't like it. And I know it doesn't bother you the same way as it does me because you are just more used to it. 
and you know more about it. And so you're like almost, this is one of the things that I think is really a um, unfair advantage of yours is that you're willing to tinker with things, especially tech stuff, software mm. and hardware, and just kind of like figure out, play with it, problem solve it because you just really like that kind of stuff. Yeah. And for me, it's like, I'm kind of like working through it and you're kind of having fun. Yeah, you're not wrong. Uh, it is a lot more fun to me, I'm sure, than than you. Uh, but like, how long have I had my ET2020? Care to take a guess? <laughs> Five years? Four years? Longer. Eight. Wow. I've had my AT2020 for eight years, which means I've had the blue icicle for eight years, which means I have an eight, let's say like six year head start on you, even knowing what the hell XLR and preamps are. Right. This is like, I don't know, like it's was my YouTube channel where I did vlogs and did gaming and did reaction videos in high school after the gaming videos I did in junior high. What was the perp point of it? Bro, I got told by Captain Sinbad that I have the best sounding audio he's ever heard. You think <laughs> I learned that in like a year? No, but that's a great point. That's the point of it. Yeah, like I made dumb videos in high school, but bro, my audio, when I started the YouTube channel, people were like, that's good audio. And then the next step was I figured out lighting and stuff. Like um, on my main YouTube channel, there's that switch of like me having this nice uh, key light and then having the backlights and stuff like that. There's layers to this. My audio, my general camera presence and stuff already kind of worked through it, already kind of worked through. OK, how do you title? How do you description? How do you schedule on YouTube? How do you make a YouTube channel? Like there's a learning curve in literally creating a YouTube channel. Well, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, it's just like knowing how to set it up and everything. Yeah, I mean, it's with it's with anything. There's going to be that learning curve, and so yeah, it's cool that you've. Um, I'm just thinking like a a good thing to maybe reflect upon for people who are trying to start on this journey is like what skills have you already acquired? Mm. Mm-hmm. And you know, when what would you enjoy learning more about? It's because like. I think part of it is just really enjoying the process. You know, Ali Abdal, you know, the book isn't out yet, but he does have a point. Is um, he, uh, he, it's dropping in uh, December. Okay, let's go. Well, we'll uh, be there. Who would have thought? Yeah, we'll be there. Oh, we will. Who, who would have thought? Well, hopefully it's on Audible because we'll be there. Um, but yeah, I mean, he makes a point in that you already have skills and you probably already have them because you enjoy doing those things. You can lean into that. And so, Whatever that is, you know, I have like certain writing skills that I knew I already enjoyed. I knew I already enjoyed talking about my time on Strava and logging on Strava. I know I'm better at being consistent about running than a lot of people and being consistent on Strava than a lot of people because I've already done it for a decade. And so it's a lot easier for me to imagine like, oh, yeah, I could start writing about this stuff and like it would be super easy. And then the other skills will come because of a necessity to continue down this passion. You know, like I'll learn more about the website building and like SEO because I already have this thing that I really enjoy doing and I want to get good at that. And there's also these other things that are ancillary, but super important for me to be good at the thing that I, you know, ultimately want to be good at. 
Yeah, I totally agree. And another great example of this is like with the podcast, I was able to start the podcast and have it be the highest quality thing I was doing within a month of starting the YouTube channel. It's like, well, you're starting a podcast and you have a YouTube channel? I'm like, bro, I know, I know audio. This is not hard. And that is an interesting point. Like say, for example, I wasted time on YouTube for a couple of years and then realized like the only thing I really cared about was the audio portion. Like after high school and going through all that stuff, I could have just done the podcast because I had learned the skill of what makes good audio. What does it sound like? How do you edit? Like then, then there's even that skill. Like I learned editing and I mm-hmm. learned Photoshop. I mean, I, I had some pretty decent thumbnail designs in high school. And it's just because I spent time doing all that. I think a YouTube channel is great because it requires you to do all the mediums. Because if you end up scripting a lot of stuff, you end up like learning how to write, learning how to video, learning how to audio, learning how to lighting, learning how to edit this stuff. That's why I think YouTube's great. And also building a website. Like those two things, you end up having to learn some basic design skills from a still or motion level and you have to learn some audio and lighting skills too so i mean i wasted a lot of time in high school if you look at it in one way like oh dude he was making stupid videos about i mean i've logged like it's just dumb like jesus um i've logged but i tell you what i learned how to edit because i made a lot of them i learned how to audio because i made a lot of them and that is I mean, even in the grand scheme of things, if everything in my life were to stop and I'd lose my job or whatever, like you can get gig video editing. Like, you know, like this this is another way to look at it. Like maybe the thing you built isn't making you money, but in a pinch, maybe you have another skill that you can leverage to to make some money. I don't know. There's there's a lot of different ways of looking at it. Yeah, exactly. And I like the the idea that you go after a big project where it's like there's a lot of skills that you can get out of this thing. And I think, um, you know, at the same time I'm building this, I'm also just looking for legal jobs and um, figuring out things that would be a high leverage experience, but would also kind of pay me at least some type of money. And a lot of this is figuring out, you know, okay, research is great. I really enjoyed this summer for research, but the, like I learned legal research was a super important skill that I'd be able to speak on. And I have blue book, you know, citations, annotations. I have that down too. So it's like, I just acquired two skills. And I understand that I have those in my toolkit now. I can talk about those. And so now the goal for the fall is to figure out a different skill or a different set of skills I can get from a different project. And so in the same way that you're starting up a YouTube channel or something like that, you can also figure out what job or, you know, what kind of role can I get into that will give me more of these skills and also pay me at the same time, you know, as I'm doing this. Cause you know, it's the same thing with like your, your marketing job, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. you don't like everything about the marketing job and maybe it's not the end all be all, Mm -hmm. but you know, there's important marketing skills that you've learned along the way. Like you understand how Google ads work, you know, how like drip campaigns work. There's a number of things that you've done in your main gig currently that you're using at rp and yeah. so that and because it's happened time and time again it's like that's also a good way to you know have skill acquisition is and again this is another fruitful reflection that people can have too is like 
you're already doing a thing most likely if you're in a job it's like i was working at the bike shop i learned sales it's like Mm. yeah working at a bike job is in the end all be all but now i know how to do sales a little bit better and so if i need that skill further down the line i can reflect on what i've already learned and also go to people like alex ramosi and kind of build on my knowledge of what i already have it's a very basic concept that people overlook but it's like you learn or you earn at a job and if you're lucky you can do both like you're not you're in a great job if you can learn and earn and that's pretty important right um i i i don't know um at my current job i've learned paid search i can run paid search and and run paid Facebook and a lot of these skills are actually very high leverage for your own business. Like if you know how to run ads and not waste money, it's pretty big, especially in a service-based business where like the return on ad spends can be very high. Or if you're in a product-based business where you need to make sure you're doing it well in order for you to get a one-to-one return. Or if you're doing brand awareness and you want to build brand awareness without throwing a bunch of money down the drain. Like these are the kind of things I I have personally, like as much as I dislike the digital marketing agency life, um, I do think going and working at at a digital marketing agency as like a paid social or search manager is a very, very good learn and earn opportunity. You learn client interaction. You sort of learn sales. You learn dealing with short-term debt. Like you do learn how to deal with like quick, deadline turnarounds you do learn so much excel Uh, you learn a lot about paid advertising and how it works and how the systems work and you hit diminishing returns fairly quickly but that's because you learn a lot like in a couple in like two years i've learned a lot and that's i'm very grateful for that but i've had diminishing returns on it and i'd like to focus on other things um so that's that's i don't know maybe that's It's an interesting way to think about it because if you're not learning and you're just earning, I am of the, I am of the opinion that it is a waste. It's not a waste of time, but unless you need the money to survive, it is the wrong allocation of your time. Maybe is that too far? Unless you, yeah, I I kind of agree. You, You, if you, unless you need the money because not only is it, you know, kind of a waste of your time, but it's really not that like, enjoyable. I think people really find enjoyment out of their jobs or whatever they're doing. That's why a lot of people join school. Enjoy school is because there's that intrigue and there's, a, you know, new things you're being stimulated by. It's like, okay, I'm learning something new. I feel like I'm growing in some type of way. That's going to lead to a lot more fulfillment than just, you know, moving boxes around or doing the same thing you've always done in Excel at the same job every day. It's like something where it's like, okay, this feels like this could get automated soon. It's like, mm-hmm. if you're not problem solving or learning new knowledge in some type of way, then you're probably not going to be as fulfilled. And so generally, I just think like as a matter of your happiness, you probably should step away from it. But it's also like, if you plan on doing something different in your life, then maybe you need to continue acquiring a new skill. And if you can't do that for the current moment in your current role, then another thing that you can do is what is the role I want to be in next? That's another way to frame things is, you know, 
I wanted to have this blog and put myself in a better position to, I don't know, maybe work for Strava or like do coaching or whatever it is. And so it's like, what are the things I need to do to get into that position? Well, I need to have these necessary skills. I need to know certain things about coaching and about how running a blog and about running a website and, you know, lead magnets and stuff like that. And so it's like, I got to start doing that stuff. I got to start acquiring those skills. If there's a destination that I want to get to and you think about what people in that role, what are the skills that they have? Okay, let me check off all those boxes and get those things and I'll probably end up in a similar place as them. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I think the fundamental way to think about it is that in a market economy... You make money through the skills you have. I don't care what people say about like the, um, it's like, oh, you need experience or like you need amount of years of experience. I think most of that's horseshit. Like now you do have to wait for some positions at jobs, but hear me out. If you have skills and you end up marketing it to the masses, you end up being able to make the money without needing to get the job and like getting it through your own means of like, Notion, you learn a lot of Notion, skill acquisition, run some ads, get some consulting gigs. Like, I think generally speaking, it is an overstatement to say, I need to spend 10 years in an industry before I get the job I want. It's like, no, you can manufacture the job in like three years. It's like, I disagree. And that is because in order for me to be the head of video at a marketing agency, how long would it have taken me? Oh, I have no idea. Probably a decade. Okay, or I can learn all the skills and then bring that to market and do it in like three. Like, this is not, I'm not an anomaly. This is just how this works. It's the same way that um, your body can be at a certain age. Like you you and I can be, Uh, you know, 24, 25, but my, you know, my health is more like an 18 year old, like maybe like. You know, like my my lactic threshold or like, you know, my my max heart rate is at something of like an 18 year old because I'm like, you know, really fit. Mm -hmm. And so biological age versus your chronological age. Yeah, exactly. It's a it's the same thing with skill acquisition It's like your chronological age is 25, but your skill acquisition is at more like 35 because you've spent Mm -hmm. 10. You've probably spent so much time and also been more efficient with the hours that you've worked with than someone who's actually 35 and just kind of doing the bare minimum. And so mm-hmm. it's like, you know, it doesn't have to take a certain amount of time. It should just take up a certain amount of skill. It should be your merit, not just your, you know, how, how long have you sat around and kind of observed this business or like this, you know, this thing that, that, that always made me, that made me lose my mind. In my very first job, I was a lifeguard and there were lifeguards and there were managers and then just above the manager was our boss and there was only one boss, but there were a certain number of managers or like supervisors and it didn't take a whole lot of skills to become a supervisor, Mm -hmm. but people only became supervisors if you were there for a certain amount of time. It was like this understood thing that you had to spend a certain amount of time just like being at the pool as a lifeguard in order for you to become the supervisor. And there were really bad supervisors 
or you know lifeguards who became supervisors because they just worked a lot of hours at the pool but i put myself in the position where it was like i'm actually contributing to things i'm actually learning skills that other people aren't like there are some people that were lifeguards and became supervisors who never changed the chemicals in the pool as a lifeguard or like Jesus. altered the you know they never checked the the chlorine levels or they never drained the hot tub and filled it with water it's like you gotta go in the back and you gotta figure out how the pipes in the back work and there's people who never did that and they became supervisors not mad <laughs> because i never did but it was like it was only because i was only there a couple of days during the week and then i was there on the summers there are some people who showed up every day during the week but didn't do jack squat and then they became supervisors and they were bad at that job it's because they never acquired skills they just sent their you know gaining chronological time at the pool but never actually doing anything just sitting in the chair and so it's like that infuriated me and i just wish that there was like a better outlook of like yeah these people have skills and so that should be the thing that puts them above so moving a little bit off the topic of skill acquisition no, but it's like right. um it's like how do we how are we valuing skill acquisition and i think for a lot of people it's just like if I put my time in a certain place, then it'll just kind of magically happen. It's like, no, give yourself opportunities. And so this is a, another question I was pondering I have for you is, um, you know, when I was working at that lifeguarding job, there was a mm -hmm. lot of things like, like um, the, 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 the hot tub thing was like a unique situation because I got to, I also wanted to do it because I didn't have to lifeguard for an hour. If it meant that I get to wash the hot tub and my mm -hmm. buddy was the person who knew how to do it. And so, he kind of took me under his wing and I was like, you know, the person that learned how to do it and he became a supervisor. I didn't, but, mm -hmm. um, I learned a lot from that. And so I'm glad I took that opportunity at a young age to kind of understand how that stuff works. And so I'm wondering if there's any opportunities that you've may have missed out on or didn't take up where you would have gained skills and you didn't take the opportunity. You said, you said, no, like this is going to stretch myself too thin. If you'd like to continue listening to this conversation, you'll need to subscribe at riseproductive.com slash membership or on your favorite podcast app. Once you do, you'll get full length access to these episodes of the Rise Productive podcast, as well as access to our subscriber only podcast and newsletter, The Weekly Pour Over.